0: Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. hey Don. J.J., today we're talking about why people buy things. Mm. What are the emotional, psychological triggers? Uh-huh. And you and I just pre-recording have decided, and it's something that probably everybody knows, but nobody really wants to talk about. Yeah. You don't make rational <laughs> <No>. purchasing <laughs> decisions, neither do I, not does anybody listening. No. We think we do. No. But we don't. And I would actually say that's true about voting. Yeah. That is true about <laughs> the, the, when you were dating mm-hmm. the people that you Especially would date. Especially early on, yes. I used to give this talk about you know something a- along these lines. And basically, the talk was trying to prove the psychological point of you make a decision, then you actually justify that decision. And then when somebody says, why'd you make that decision, you present the justification when it's really not why you made the decision. Well, the amount of times I've heard people go, like they
1: buy something, they go, well, but the reason I got it is I got a great deal. Well, you didn't buy it for the great deal, right? (laughs) Like, I mean, you didn't need it to begin with, but the justification is... The price was amazing. I got it on this great sale, so I was right. able to get. That's the you know, justification. <laughs> justification of the and the problem
0: is, when we're actually as business leaders, when we're trying to sell people stuff, we also present the justification, which in some ways is good. Yeah, because you're actually giving the purchaser the words to say to justify having <laughs> <Yes>. done it <laughs> and feel it would, good about it. That's right. Feel
1: own, own their decision, not just like manipulate them, but it really is like for them to be able to own right. the decision. They need of to justify this to
0: themselves. It. Yeah. But that's not why they bought. Yeah. So if we actually understood why they bought, we would sell more product. And I would present two ideas. One is to solve a problem. That's one. And the second is, and this is a big one, to become a better version of yourself. Yeah. And we teach that at the StoryBrand Marketing Workshop. We teach both of those in depth. But the idea of you got a problem, you got to solve it, and you're trying to end a frustration or you're trying to become a better person. And before we started, I said... What's your last irrational purchasing <laughs> deal? And, and then you
1: didn't have- I literally said every day. Every day. Yeah. But, <laughs>
0: but you didn't have a specific one. I had one that recently I bought a stereo system for yep. Goose Hill. It's a company out of uh, Pennsylvania that hand makes old record players yep. and you know, it's beautiful stuff. Probably, you know, twice as much money as I could have spent and gotten something down at Best Buy that would have been- you know, a little bit hard for me to under- to hear the difference. Yeah, yeah. And when I and then you know because I'm wired the way I'm wired, I sat after I did it and kind of went, okay, why did you do that? <laughs> and part of it was I believed I was getting the best. Yeah. So what did I just buy? Did I buy the best audio equipment, or did I buy the aspirational identity of somebody who owns the best yeah, audio yeah. equipment? You see <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. There yeah. are there are decisions that we make, and they aren't exactly rational yeah, and they're always... they're they're buying triggers yeah to run a business you've got to be and be a good marketer yeah you have to be something of a psychologist yep you have to understand what motivates people well today we're talking to Alan Langer Alan Langer is the author of a book called the seven secrets to selling more by selling less yes. and what I love <laughs> about this book is it's it's practical things you can do to sell more stuff.
1: Super practical, like dealing specifically with pricing. Yes, and that's what we're going to yeah. talk about. We're
0: only going to talk about pricing. Yeah. I, I just wanted to go. How do we price things? He's actually in a coffee shop, I think, in in Delaware, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, back east, and uh, he he joined us and we talked for a minute. So again, to understand why why customers are buying the things they're buying, why you're buying, the, and then to be able to actually, you know, kind of. Be a little more on the nose and explain to customers what they get. Yep. You have to understand it first. Yeah. And then also to understand how you price it. Why do customers buy? Why do customers pay what they pay? Here's my conversation with Alan Langer. We'll come back in a second. Alan Langer, the author of The Seven Secrets to Selling More by Selling less. I think everybody wants to sell a little less and sell more at the same time. Sounds like a fantasy. Alan, is it true? Can we do it? It's true because <laughs> what
2: you, you need to do is stop selling, stop stop doing the sales pitch, and you'll sell a lot more when you stop doing that.
0: I love it. Well, you're joining us from a coffee shop in Rhode Island. Is that where you live?
2: I live in East Greenwich, Rhode Island, and I'm in Newport right now, beautiful Newport, Rhode Island. So. Oh, that's brilliant. Is this where you normally write? I actually write in a coffee shop in East Greenwich, but this is my second favorite one. So, uh, yeah, <laughs>
0: I used to do that when I when I was a writer in Portland, Oregon. I'd go to one coffee shop, and 20 minutes later, if I hadn't written anything, I'd say, "There's no words here," and I'd get in my car and I'd go to the next coffee shop. <laughs> I swear I did it all the time. I think we're more superstitious than baseball players, right?
2: You're absolutely right. I actually wrote my <laughs> entire book at that the one little coffee shop in East Greenwich. I was there every morning. Oh, that, that
0: sounds like a good role. Well, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. You've got a chapter in your book about pricing. And yes. I actually want to talk about pricing. And you've got some, five little tips for us on pricing. A lot of us are wondering, how do we price our products? What sort of philosophy can we use? And you've actually gotten really into the weeds on this. And there's some great material that you've come up with. Is, is it okay if we just have a conversation that helps us understand how to price our products?
2: Absolutely. I think it's one of the, you know, with the exception of retail, I think it's one of the more neglected areas of of how a, a company or even even an individual goes about selling a product.
0: That's great. Well, one of your ideas is you got to focus on more than the numbers, and you actually talk about the number nine when you can end your pricing with a nine. Studies show that your customer will simply feel better about purchasing. I used to think that was just because 99 cents sounded like a more value than a dollar or like a lot less money than a dollar, even though it was only a penny. But is there something about uh, 109 and 309 and $259? Yes. What is it about the number nine?
2: so the the researchers, you're exactly right. when When you put nine ninety nine versus ten dollars, it feels a heck of a lot less expensive. and retailers do it all the time. But researchers started thinking, well, is it because it looks cheaper, or is it because the number nine itself? And it turns out for some reason, psychologically, the number nine feels better to a person than a zero or even an or even an even number. And they don't know why. They're not sure. They don't know why yet. yeah, they, I, I've done so much research on this. i find I find pricing absolutely fascinating. But one, one of the things that stuck stuck out at me was, um, and I think I mentioned this to you when we met, they did a study. They took uh, three women's blouses, same exact blouse, and they put them for sale in a, in a regular department store. One blouse was for $34, so it ended in a four. One blouse was 39 and the other blouse was $40. And they had people buy them. And you would automatically think that the most purchased blouse was the $34. Yeah. It was actually the $39 one by a wide margin. Wow. So even though it was $5 more, the number nine drew the people into purchasing that blouse. Well,
0: uh, true to us at brand. you actually say you have to understand the story. Along with telling stories as part of your product or service descriptions, add them into your pricing discussions as well. I'm really curious as to point number two. First was in the number nine. Second, you got to understand the story. How do you incorporate story? And I know you're one of our StoryBrand certified guides. You actually came and got certified recently. Yes. How do you incorporate story into the actual philosophy of pricing?
2: Well, I, I knew you would like this section. So, um, it, what's fascinating is most sales reps and companies focus on the features of their product. You know, say you're selling a copy machine and it's like, you know, a thousand, thousand pages a minute, back to back, color, blah, blah, blah. You focus on all that. But if you actually put, the product you're selling into the context of a story, uh, it actually becomes not only easier to sell, but the customer feels like they need to get it and they feel better purchasing it. And here's a great example. This is, this is probably one of my favorite studies in the whole book. So there was a New York Times columnist about 10 years ago now. He was trying to figure out the power of story in relation to products. So what he did he actually went to flea markets and he went to um, you know, yard sales and he bought literally meaningless items. He, he bought a, a broken ceramic horse head. He bought a lost hotel room key. Uh, he actually bought an unopened jar of expired mayonnaise, like all of this <laughs> crazy stuff. And the most he ever spent on any item was 50 cents. Oh my he gosh. then put all 10 items. He bought 10 items. He put them all on eBay. And they put them up there for two weeks and didn't get one bid for any of the items. So, so he, uh, here's the mayonnaise, here, opening bid, 25 cents. No one bought the mayonnaise and no one bought any of the other items. He then took them down and he added a paragraph story to each item. So he gave, this, he gave the items context, like like the, the horse head was an heirloom from a grandmother, something like that. I don't know what the stories were, but he gave each of the items a context with relation to a story. He then put them back on eBay. You ready for this? The average sale price was fifty seven dollars. You are kidding. For a, a key, a horse head, a jar of mayonnaise. And and a lost lost hotel room key went for eighty-seven dollars. <laughs> now these were fictional stories. Fictional stories. So what he wound up doing was obviously he gave everybody their money back because he made up the stories. But right. the point is he made over he made over two thousand dollars. <laughs> Selling just stories. Selling junk because he put stories to it.
0: Man. You know, it's funny because we have this Business Made Simple University and the true story is we're trying to disrupt the college debt problem. We're trying to say, look, you can get you can get 16 hours about of college credit here. That's what we're working on with the universities for 275 bucks instead of seventy thousand dollars. And people are so much more attracted to the story. They just love that story. Yes. And I I wasn't even thinking that. I thought, well, we got to tell the story of. You know, we're we're helping you organize your mission statement. We're helping you figure out your clarify your message. We're helping you with your marketing sales funnel. We're helping you with sales with execution. You know all the practical stuff. And I just mentioned to somebody, listen, the Trojan horse here. That's the secret is we're going to disrupt the university system. We're going to undercut yes. uh, the university system by offering essentially college credit for basically nothing. And everybody yep. started leaning in. And so I thought, oh, maybe I should talk about this more. And I started talking about it. And that the idea really just started blowing up. It, I, I didn't realize, I didn't take my own medicine, you gotta have the story right.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, this, the, the the simple and great example is a baseball is a baseball until Mickey Mantle hit it over the <laughs> all, all over the fence in a, in a World Series. It's, it's That's got a story absolutely now. Absolutely true.
0: <laughs> all right. Point number three is throw out the anchor, and I learned this in a negotiation class with a Pepperdine lawyer. Nothing is cheap or expensive by itself. It needs be to be compared to something. So in negotiation, you would throw out the first price because you want to set the gravity of the negotiation. And we do this, if you go to storybrand.com and register for our live workshop, you can either come as an individual for $2,995, a $100 discount if there's two of you for each of you, a $200 discount, the equivalent of a $600 discount if there's three of you. The only reason we came up with the $100 off and $200 off was so that we could have three price choices. It wasn't actually to give discounts, although we do give discounts. We just knew the study said if there were three price choices, people would choose one of them we're more likely to choose one of them. What's the Correct. psychology of that? I've never really studied the psychology of why we did that.
2: So there's there's two things at play here. The, the, the anchor pricing is, is sort of like, uh, uh, take the example, how do you sell a $2,500 watch? Well, you put it next to a $10,000 watch. So you're basically, when you see that $2,500 watch by itself, like, oh my god, that's an expensive watch. But now you see it next to a $10,000 watch, it becomes a pretty good deal.
0: And you, you also want it because it's two and a half times as good as the $10,000
2: watch. Exactly. Exactly. So, for example, like when 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 I was in my uh, selling days, uh, I used to sell uh, Anderson windows and doors. You know, the average price of a window, let's say, was $1,500. But a customer never knew that when you walked into the house. So in a general conversation, I'd say, you know, do you think these windows are going to be more or less than $3,000? And they would always say, well, I hope it's less. But now I just anchor $3,000 in their mind. Gosh. Psychologically, yeah, and then basically, when you come to the fifteen hundred dollar price, they actually thought it was a good price, and 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 it's not it's it's not a, a, a you know an unethical tactic. It's just a psychological method of saying, I want them to feel good about the price. I don't want them to feel shocked about it.
0: Right, and and bottom line, it's the price you need to charge for the product in order to keep your your profit margin all that kind of stuff. Right. Okay, let me ask you a question now. Land Rover has just re released the Defender, and the Defender is like my favorite, one of my favorite trucks from days of old and they're re-releasing it. And the big news was, you know, you'd think a Land Rover Defender, think of it like a Mercedes G-Wagon, you'd think 120 grand. Well, they're actually releasing one for I think about $50,000. The reality is there's one for $50,000 and then they go up to 80 or 90. Did they make a mistake for releasing this, you know, this press release that says we've got one for 50 grand and then you go into the shop and the one that you really want is actually going to be 70 or 80 is that does that work in their favor or not? i'm I'm just curious because it could get people in the door, But then when they get there, they're like, "Well, I don't want the cheap one. You know what I mean?
2: Well, and also you feel deceived. It's like it's it's like this the age old you know the the car dealership ads on Saturday in the newspaper, you'd see the you see the one car in the ad for you know a thousand bucks and you get there and like, oh, that we don't have that car. That was sold a week ago, but let yeah. me show you the ten thousand dollars car. Right. You, you you kind of feel deceived as as, as a consumer doing that. so, I think if they actually put in the press release, it's the first time I'm hearing this, but if they put that you do have three choices and they actually uh, create the three choices where you you want to purchase the the most expensive one psychologically. That would have been a smarter move than well. They may have actually
0: done that, but other people may have run with the the low yeah, price yeah, yeah. just because it was actually kind of shocking how low the price was.
2: That's right, fascinating.
0: Right. So okay, so anchor the price. I think we can all learn to apply that even on your website. You could actually say you would probably expect this to cost five thousand dollars, but people are amazed when they realize it's only twenty five hundred dollars. You could actually just put that copy in the sales copy. Uh, on your website. Uh, Yes.
2: Yes, you could. Okay.
0: So let's talk about the rule of threes. Point number four, it happens in threes. Offering three different price points or three different pricing options, as I shared a minute ago, can effectively move people from whether or not to buy to actually deciding which option to buy. Nine seems to be a magic number. So does three. Why?
2: Yeah. Three is like the psychological equivalent of just like a nice warm bath. People love having three choices and you even mentioned it at at, at the StoryBrand conference you know you sometimes should go to 4 but you really should stick to 3 with your with your value stack at the bottom 3 is just a very comforting number psychologically for people but here's how it works in pricing because it's this is such a uh, an important thing that people just don't understand because if they if they have a product they say okay here's the product it's $10,000 well now the customer is thinking should i buy it or not When you actually show three options, now the customer, like you just read back, was, which option should I choose? So they're already in a purchase mindset. Which Mm. one should I buy? And you have to set that up so the larger purchase, which is the one that you really want them to buy, the better one, feels the best. So, for example, in the book, I cite this study that was done. It was actually wasn't done. It was. It was. it's, It's sort of like a marketing, you know, urban myth now, but it's a great story. So there's a movie theater and uh, the manager was selling popcorn and the popcorn the small was $3 and the large was 750 so on the sign it said small popcorn $3 large popcorn 750 i think about 80% of his sales was small popcorn nobody bought the large <laughs> and he kept thinking how do i it's such a better profit margin if they buy the large how do i get people to buy the large so what he did was he added a medium option but instead of making the medium option what you would think maybe $5 right in the between the two prices he made the medium option 650. So you had $3, 650, 750. Wow. Now when you're looking now at it looks it, you're like, like a Wow, that 750 is a great deal. I'm going to get the large. And 97% of his popcorn sales after that time were all large popcorns.
0: This is fascinating. This Isn't that is great? I just want to go study all <laughs> of our prices now and everything that we <laughs> offer. That's really
2: fascinating. So people who are listening, if you can present your pricing in 3 but then guide that customer to the best option for them, which is usually the you know, number three, which is the, the more expensive, but has more value to it. It makes them feel like they, they've really made a good choice because it's positioned that way psychologically.
0: I'll be right back with the rest of my conversation with Alan Langer in just a moment. But listen, if you are wanting somebody to help you sell your products market your products we actually certify StoryBrand certified guides to get certified as a guide you have to have multiple years of marketing experience then you come and spend a week with us where we teach you how to create a sales funnel that will work for a client then we give you another year of just training after training after training to help your clients make more money you the client actually benefit from that because you get somebody who knows how to sell your products and not waste your marketing dollars If you want a certified guide who can help you build a sales funnel that actually works and moves product, go to marketingmadesimple.com. Go to marketingmadesimple.com. There you will find a directory of the hundreds of marketing agents we have certified. Each of them can help you. You've got an enormous number of choices. It'll be really fun to comb through there and find the person who's right for you, build a relationship with them, and start creating a sales funnel that works. Your marketing should get a return on its investment. Go to marketingmadesimple.com. You know what? I just realized something. Today, I was I was going to buy this piece of software called Rune, R-O-O-N. And it allows you to, it's kind of like iTunes, but all of the music is high def. So it, okay. you can play it through a really great hi-fi system. And uh, it's $119 a year or $699 for lifetime membership. And I remember thinking, $119 a year, it's not bad. Ooh, $700, I'm going to do the 119 instead of going, do I want to spend 119 Exactly, right. Literally, I just went, oh, that's the one I'm going to do. As soon as I saw 700 bucks instead of should I spend 120 bucks or not. I realized that I just got hoodwinked by your own philosophies.
2: Yeah, so so if they positioned it better where they made the $700 choice much more uh, comfortable for you and logical, you may have done the $700 choice, but the but way they, they, they presented did, I don't it, think
0: they wanted to do that. I think they were putting 700 bucks so you would spend 119. My guess is.
2: Yeah, that, that's actually a reverse way of doing that. That's yeah. correct, Yep. It's interesting. Okay, Alan, the fifth point
0: is show the price. You talk about when a customer feels like they actually built the price or were involved in creating the price, their chances of buying from you increase immeasurably. How do you do that?
2: Yeah, so, so most sales reps, when they have a product in front of them, they, they, they build the product uh, without the customer's involvement. They'll ask the customer questions like, do you want red, do you want blue, do you want green? Right. And they'll, they'll, choose, they'll choose the actual options to build the product. Um, okay. you can do that with, you know, anything, a cot machine, you're building a kitchen, but the customer is giving you the information. They're not involved in actually building the product in front of them. If you can actually have them build it, like for example, on a website, if you can build your car, like they have a lot of websites. Now we actually just go piece by piece and build your car. You're more apt to spend the money at the end of what you chose than if you just said, give me this car here with the options that are already included. Right. So, for example, when I sold windows and doors, we had this wonderful software program that designed an entry door. And most of the reps would sit there and they say, "Okay, what color door do you want? Okay, what glass do you want? What hardware? And they would just enter it in and then they would flip the laptop around and show the customer. Your entry door is six thousand dollars. And they'd be like, oh, my God, it's six thousand dollars. What I would do is I would sit next to the customer and I put the laptop in front of them and I'd have them touch the screen okay, I want this glass. I want this hardware. Now they're owning the price and the price was was listed on the bottom. So I, I always say, show the price at the beginning. Don't reveal it at the end. Let them adjust the price. Yeah. Then at the end, when the door was finished, that $6,000 price tag was what they designed. So right. that's what they were spending on the door.
0: That's actually really fascinating. I think we could find ways to apply that pretty easily.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's sort of like an a la carte thing, but as long as the customer is doing it and making the choices, yeah, uh, they're own. They're owning the product before you. Don't even have to say anything. You just, you know, you just get get the financing ready, and they're ready to go.
0: Alan, this is really practical advice we can use right now. We can all go back and look at how we're talking about our pricing, and even how our pricing is structured, and we can make changes that create more sales. This was incredibly helpful. But I gotta know, this is one of the seven secrets. Can you just yes. give us a cursory overview of the other six?
2: <laughs> well, hopefully the entire book is practical where you can read it and, and that's the feedback i am been getting is like the next day you can start applying this because it's basically the premise is, uh, you know, sales is not rocket science, but but most companies do not train their sales reps how to deal with a customer. They only train them how to sell the customer. Right. And they don't train on body language. That's one chapter. They don't train on, on, on actually the, the concept of let me help you instead of sell you. Right. I mean, chapter number one is called make the switch where basically... If you ask any sales rep what's your objective when you're going into the sales meeting, 100% of the time they're going to say to make the sale. Well, that should not be your objective. Your objective should be to help the customer. That's what StoryBrand teaches. Be the guide, not the hero. Exactly. So when you help the customer, you're going to sell much, so much more than when you go in there with the, with the commission breath saying, I have to make this sale. So that's the concept of the book. You know, Telling stories is one secret, obviously. Uh, body language is another. I have the pricing. Uh, even have another great fascinating chapter for me is is on social proof on, on how psychologically we're we are drawn into what other groups do. So if we feel like we're part of that group, we're going to do that much more. So if someone someone down the block bought StoryBrand, went to the StoryBrand conference rather than the guy from Topeka, Kansas, you're more apt to go because you yeah. know the guy down there. Yeah. So so many different things like that. And there again, it's it's something that's a, applicable right away. And you just have to change your mindset of what you're doing in front of a customer.
0: I love it. Alan, thanks for joining us today. The book is The 7 Secrets to Selling More by Selling Less. You can get it on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Alan, will you come back on when you write a new one? I absolutely will. Thank you for having me. I love it. Incredibly applicable. Thanks so much for your time.
2: Okay, Don. All right. Thank you.
0: so much practical application. <laughs> Nines are the magic number, it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> and sevens, who knew? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I love it. He goes, we don't know why. <laughs> it just works. The reality is we're irrational. We have to embrace that. You can't be such a linear thinker, uh, but super practical information going into 2020 on how you can grow your business. One of the big things, give people three choices yep. in your pricing in a nine or a seven.
1: Well, I think what you just said was really important is that there's one way to look at this of like being okay, this being cynical about it, right right and just going like, well, this is some magic kind of stuff, and it's manipulative or understanding, no, this is actually somehow how the brain works, and research backs this up. right This is a proven fact, and how do we step into it? and what's so great about that it as uh, giving this as a tool to people for twenty twenty right. as they're getting ready to build their business even more is that. We say all the time that if you have a product that actually helps people, right, that moves people forward in their life, that solves a problem for them, whether it's shoes or lawn care or flowers or consulting, anything, any of those products ideally are moving people forward in their journey your customer forward. You're serving them better. And if you can get that product into their hands faster – Easier, better. You're than, serving them. Then you are. And why not take advantage of that kind of knowledge, right? Instead yeah. of being cynical about it, because my first gut is always like, oh, well, I'm being manipulated. But when I begin to understand, no, this is how the mind works. I want to serve people better. I want to serve my customers better. And I want to get things into their hands faster. Well, this if is you how think I about it, it,
0: if you started a company and you're taking money for a product, but you don't want to be the kind of person that sells things and you don't want to be, the, you're just being passive aggressive. Because yeah. what you really want is them to give you money for your product, but you Don't want to say that. That's called passive aggressive. Yes. And it's annoying. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right. And so we we don't want to do that. We say this to clients all the time. I I can't tell you how many times I've said this to a client. Stop making it hard for people to give you money. Stop it. Yeah. Don't make it hard. If you make it easy for them to give you money, They will give you more money. You will give them a product that solves their problem, and that is a fair business transaction that is just and right in the marketplace. JJ, we've got some changes to make in some of our pricing (laughs) based on Alan Langer's wisdom. So do you if you've listened to this podcast. Music from this podcast is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.